We're starting in verse 8. This is a a pericope or a a passage that comes after uh, announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel with a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight days, uh, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. Amen. Family, we are in uh, our second day of uh, celebrating Advent, the second Sunday within Advent. And this is the, su- the, the day where we're focusing on joy. We're focusing on joy. And I want to draw your attention to verse 10. That's where we're going to spend a good amount of our day camping out. And it's going to help us understand the rest of this passage. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, joy that will be for all people. Joy. This is a term that we we know well. It's a term that actually has a lot of synonyms. Uh, You see and you see in the Bible, this term joy also used as rejoice. So the 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 term is used as the same word when you look throughout scripture. But there's a lot of words that we associate with joy. Uh, You have delight, pleasure, gladness, merriment, gratification. Uh, A lot of different words are synonyms that you find around this word joy. But I want to share that I think there's one central thing that makes joy a bit different. Joy is only found in God. Let me say this again. Joy is only found in God. R.J. Dean says that joy is the fruit of a right relationship with God. It's not something that people can create by their own efforts. As you look behind me and you saw that list, go back to that circle for me, J.D. You saw that list. You can see a lot of synonyms. Oh, you can't even see joy in the middle. In the middle is joy slash rejoice (laughs) Um, in white letters. But y'all working with me. Um, 
So some, some of you, though, can look at the words that are surrounding it and say, well, pastor, um, I, I know that all of these words aren't pure, right? Because there's some stuff in my past that I used to get excited about that I ain't had no business getting excited about, right? We, we wouldn't say that that was rooted in God. Okay, there's, there's some, some, some gratifications that aren't necessarily joyous because they're not rooted in God. So while these are synonyms that, that can somewhat get in the ballpark, the, the term joy in and of itself is found in understanding and being in right relationship with God. You see, let, let me break out pleasure. Pleasure is distinguished from joy. This guy, R.J. Dean, says it like this. He says, the Greek word from pleasure is the word called hedonism. It's, it's that, that's the word used in the Bible. It's, it's the philosophy of self-centered pleasure-seeking. So we see in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 4, Paul refers to false teachers as lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. Yeah, that we can be, we can still have, you welcome, sister. We have these pleasurable desires, right? It, it, it's bringing us pleasure, but it's counter to what the gospel is. But not joy. Joy is found in God. So let us, let us unpack this term during this, this, this season of Advent. The Bible explains joy in two ways. Joy is both a feeling and an action. It's both a feeling and an action. This, this uh, encyclopedia from, from Baker kind of, kind of sums it up like this. It says that, that joy is a feeling that's called forth by well-being, success, and good fortune. It's, it's like a, when a variety of situations seem to work out for your good or the good of people that you care about. Okay, so it emotes this feeling as you've seen a situation work out to your benefit, that success happens and it creates an emotion within you where you are joyful. You've been there before, right? Like, like let's, let's say in your walk, you, you're praying about this coworker. You gave the coworker some, some scriptures, y'all have talked over lunch, you've had a number of different conversations. And then one day that person comes to you and says, I believe. I believe Jesus is my king. And what fills you, what fills you is this, this joy, this, this, this sense of, okay, I'm not giving that book that I gave them all that credit. I'm not giving my words all that credit. I'm giving God that credit. And within me is now a joy that I know I can only attribute to him. Or maybe you worried about that ailment. You physically are hurting. You think something's a little wrong, so let me go to the doctor. And, and the doctor says, I think we need to run some tests. Doctor comes back. Says, actually, all your tests are negative. You get this sense of joy, this, this, this thankfulness that Lord, in the, in the midst of, of a situation that could have been crazy, you allowed the things to work out for my good. 
You see, it gets a little messy, right? It gets a little messy. I'm going to tell you an, an area where it gets messy, how it works out in my life. I'm, I'm at home. My mother-in-law and I, we, we refinished our floors, sanded the floors real good, put a couple coats of poly on them. Floors are nice. Come down the steps one day. Boom, boom, boom. That's, that's two or three steps I missed. Now, y'all know me. You know I usually keep my, my feet pretty ashy. Okay? So, all right. You know me. Pastor preaching about it. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I go down two of those steps. I know if I hit this third step, I'm, it's done. But that little bit of ash on the back of my foot caught the end of that step. Whew! I was all right. I was all right. Now you're going to say, man, you could. See, me though, there's been times in my life where that actually happened and a tear came where I was like, thank you, Lord. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Where I'm seriously like, thank you, Lord. Why? Why? Because I, I'm, I'm crazy enough. I'm crazy enough to believe that God is working a number of things out for my good. Can I, can I have somebody turn to Romans chapter 8 and read for us verse, verse 28? Because I'm, I'm not going to attribute the things that protect me to luck. I'm not going to attribute them to your genius, to my genius, to our planning, to our foolproof plan. I'm going to attribute even him sparing me from a slip. And right now, as I'm in physical therapy with people, I, there are people in there that have been in car, um, car accidents that were horrific. And there are some people who stepped on their shoestring, tripped, and broke multiple bones. It is God who is the one that's orchestrating all these things to just happen to work out for our good. Who's going to read it? Come on, brother. Now, the light might be tricky over there. That for those who love God, mm-hmm. all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Called according to his purpose. Amen. Thank you, young man. Amen. So see, when, when, when something like that, if, if that verse is true, then it changes our perspective on how we see situations. It means that now, in the midst of a situation, I get a chance to ask, Lord, how are you working this out for my good? Which affects now my joy. Because see, if I look at the situation and I start examining the situation, look at all these certain obstacles, look at all these different issues, instead of looking and saying, whoa, Lord, wait, you are working all things out. So now, how can I find joy in the midst of you working all things out? It's a, it's a, a feeling and an action, this thing called joy. It's, it's when we see situations working out for our good. Let us turn to a, a, a biblical reference that will help us begin to, to un, unpack this, this. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Or actually, I'm going to bring it up on the screen because you might not have time. But we're going to Matthew chapter 18, verses 
10 through 14. We're going to look at an, an expression of joy. But as you turn there, I want to ask my kids a question. Kids, y'all with me? Uh-oh. Kids, y'all all in service? Y'all here? Yeah. I got a question for you. If I ask you kids to clean up the floor, I want all of you to clean up this floor with a rag. Would you do it for me? Yeah. (laughs) Good answer. I'm, I'm loving that answer. If I told you that I will give you whatever toys you want, if you clean up the floor in this room, would you do it? (laughs) <laughs> now y'all don't see but the, the first time I asked it a couple kids didn't even answer me looked at me like <laughs> the second time they're nodding their heads they're in it you know the only thing that would change the kids sorry I'm not going to have you clean up the floor and I don't have any toys I'm sorry <laughs> but the only thing that changed was the reward was the reward same, same request, even a request that some of them wasn't even happy about beforehand. But in thinking of what they would get, brought a smile to their face when I asked that second question. You see, I got to confess, y'all. There are times where I don't see Jesus as my ultimate reward. And all of Advent is to tell us, no, not, it's not about all the things I get it's a, the different benefits. Those are great. But the ultimate reward is found in who he is. And that brings a sense of joy to who we are. So as we look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 through 14, it says this. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father. Who is in heaven? What do you think? Then he, then he breaks it down like this. What, what do y'all think about this situation? He says it like this. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. We get a beautiful example here of of a situation where a person is lost and a number of factors allow for this person to be retrieved. And there's a variety of emotions that could take place, right? This this, this shepherd could, could, could find him and just, oh, Great, happy that we found you. Get on back with the other 99. What's wrong with you? You know? There's a a lot of, what does he say though? That he rejoices in finding the one. Reminding us of how valuable each of us are. But that our God finds great joy in seeing us enter into the beauty of who he is. That we get a chance to fellowship with him. Joy. But what is unique to this aspect of joy is that it's, it's, while it's an emotion, while it is a feeling, it cannot be commanded. 
You can try all you want, but you can't force a person to experience joy as a feeling. Can't make a person experience joy as an emotion. It is something that God births within us. But let us now look at joy as an action. Because God, while he allows it to be something that we feel and is, a, and, and is an emotion, which some of us, if we can be fair, some of us try to, we, we have this emotional feeling and we want it to stay forever. And so we begin trying to find things in the world to keep replenishing that, that, that joyous feeling. But it fails us, doesn't it? It fails us. Maybe yours is ego. Where you want people to keep giving you accolades, right? But it's never enough. It's never enough. We try to use all types of things. But joy here is not only just a feeling and an emotion, which cannot be substituted for for anything but God. But it is also an action. Proverbs 5, 18 says this. I want to to bring us to it. It says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. So now the framework of of this verse is one that's talking about a man and a woman in marriage. And it's specifically talking about intimacy. And yes, in that way, intimacy. And the Bible talk about it, so we're going to talk about it. All right. And so what, it, what it's trying to say is not always be with, the, be with your, your young wife. What he's saying is the same excitement that you had with your wife on, on honeymoon day, you should have in 30 years. That's the type of joy you should bring. As, as you are getting joyful about it then, be joyful about it now. He recognizes the position of humanity. That there's a woman in here who's going to use an excuse and say, well, he doesn't have that basketball player physique he used to have when we was in high school. It's going to be a guy in here that's going to say, well, she had the five kids. Look at her figure now. There's going to be all these different type of reasons that we can drum up why we should not be having joy both physically and emotionally within our spouse. And what he's saying is we're we're without excuse because God commands us to have joy in this manner. You see, it's a feeling, it's an action, but it's also a choice that we make to submit to a holy God that says, you know what? This is my character. You got to model this. Act on it. Choose joy. And so we see it again in James chapter 1, verse 2. James says it like this. He says, count it all, what? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You see, according to James, James says it like this. There's going to be situations that come. They're not producing emotion of happiness. Emotion of, you know, feeling great. There's going to be situations that come that are actually want to produce some different emotions. If we can be for real. If we can be totally honest, there's situations in my life, in your life that produce some emotions that we don't want to tell anybody about. 
And he's saying in the midst of that challenge, in the midst of that temptation, choose me. Choose joy. Be joyful. Still rejoice. Why? Because if I'm working it out for your good, even though it's painful, it is good for you. Why? Because I am ultimately working things out for your good. So joy, it can be a, a, a feeling, an emotion that comes from being rooted in God and seeing the success of things just work in our favor. Joy also is an action that he calls us to have regardless of our circumstances. And so now that we understand what joy is, let's go back into this passage and understand it with, with, with greater, with more information. Turn to verse 8 with me. We're back at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So now who are the shepherds? The shepherds are considered individuals that are what we would call today vagabonds. These guys that kind of roam all over. They don't really care as much about territory or about your stuff. So if they're rolling through the, through the area and they happen to come up on a couple of your sheep, oops, gotcha. You know, if, 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 if they happen to be kind of nomadically traveling to one other area and, and a few of your precious items happen to be in the area, they might take some. They're considered thieves lightly. I mean, that's not the first idea you think of. But at the same time, when you see them coming, you kind of protect your stuff. You know, they're kind of seen of as guys that really don't have strong jobs. It's more of a, hey, they're just doing this to get by. You wouldn't see, you wouldn't think of this as a profession. And so when they are in the circles of life, they're looked down upon. Kind of disrespected. And it is, and it is in this type of everyday work life existence that these angels appear. And say to them, uh, and an angel appeared of the Lord, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Good news. So what is the good news that he brings? It's found in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Okay? So now you got you got guys that are kind of like the bottom of of the of the societal hierarchy. And and God comes and brings them this good news. It starts with with that there's a savior now. Two things that I that I know are pretty clear each time you hear the term savior. Two things that kind of set up that situation. There, there, there's, a, there's a situation that's insurmountable. There's a situation that's going on that seems to be against all odds. And the person within it can't save themselves. 
It's almost guaranteed, whether it's a comic book, a, a, a movie, or the story of humanity. And so now, this announcement of a savior, which they might not fully get at that time, but man, it's an announcement that there's going to be one that comes to save us from our perishing selves, to save us from sin. And I know it's been said a million times, but we could say it a million more. That famous passage of John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not what? Perish. We need it saving but have eternal life. And so first he starts with with Savior. Then he says, who is the Christ? The Christ. So now this term Christ is, is, is like saying who is the Messiah. And most people during that era would have assumed that, that the Messiah was going to come with a, with a military army to deliver. Okay. So, so there's an excitement, there's a savior, but also you're thinking now of how the savior is going to come. He's going to come triumphantly. He's going to come as the great deliverer. And lastly, he comes as Lord. And we talked, we talked in, in, in Exodus about Lord, about that beautiful name, the divine name of Yahweh, the one who is. This, this now Yahweh, this now, this God is now going to be birthed in this child. So this, this isn't any child. This is now God himself taking on flesh. And we would call him Lord. You see, Mary, Zechariah, and now these shepherds. Are given a miraculous angelic sign that confirms that this Lord, that this Christ, that this Savior will be born. But it also does something to to remind us. Kind of reminds us that we all are without excuse. Because whether you are the most intelligent, most powerful woman in the room... Or whether you are the most disrespected, most uh, avoided person, most looked over person in this room. Guess what? (laughs) The angel comes and announces it to the person that would seem the least of these in this culture, to the shepherds. So even the least of these, none of us are without excuse. There's no title. There's no stature within our culture that would make us exclusive from acknowledging the birth of this new savior. So how do the shepherds respond? My brother. We have true, true joy. Yes. Amen. Amen. He said, so we're saying that joy is found in God. And then it says a child is born. So that joy is offered to us today in the, in the child of Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's exactly what we're saying. Exactly what we're saying. Exactly what we're saying. And so now let's see how, 
Before we go there, I want to go to Hebrews. Because in Hebrews, we get a sense of the joy that Christ experienced. And it says it in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See what word is associated with joy. Even as we discuss Jesus, the road of the cross, one of pain, one of torture, yet one of joy. And I I hate to harp on this point, but there's a lot of different, um, uh, Ways of preaching out now that tell you that that you know you're in Christ and you know God's got your back when good things are happening. So how do you follow the Lord? You look around, you look for good things going on and go join it. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Because if that's the case, I don't think Jesus would have looked around and said, oh, that's the road to the cross. One of pain, one of agony. See, that, 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 that type of thinking doesn't line up. And so, fam, we want to encourage you. We want to encourage you. Be of, there, there's times when we are able to feel the emotional component of joy. You know? And it feels good, don't it? When you get to have that, that just feeling like none other. But there's times and situations that that seem to be just like, Lord, I don't understand this. That he wants us to be firmly rooted in who he is and draw closer so that our joy would be in him. And so what do the what do the do the shepherds do? How do they respond? Let's continue back looking at chapter chapter two in Luke. We're going to look at, uh, continue from verse 17. And I think the NIV says it in a way that's a little bit more, it's not as uh, a little less wooden than the ESV. So I wanted, I wanted to say it, I wanted to actually have the NIV up this time because I think it says it in a, way, in a language that more uh, communicates the passage. It says uh, in verse 17. Chapter 2 of Luke. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So after going forth, seeing the child, what do they do? Spread the word. They go telling everybody. And, And remember, still same place in culture, still same place in society, still viewed as the low among us. And in verse 18, it says, and all who heard it were what? Amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Family, we have experienced a joy in receiving the great reward in receiving 
Jesus. What does it look like for our lives? For it to not only be lived out, not only be modeled, but also be vocalized to others. I'm not, I'm not saying, and hear me here, hear me clearly. I'm not saying that joy is the only emotion that we should experience, okay? Because Jesus didn't model that. There was sorrow. There's a variety of, of, the, of emotions that come. But what I am saying is that even in the midst of challenge, even in the midst of, of great adversity, Jesus being our great reward is the provider and the reason why we can still have joy. So I had a chance to experience the mix of emotions, of of joy, at the same time, great sorrow. Because when we had that, uh, we had that accident, the four of us, it was like right after the accident, four of us, we was all um, trying to come to reckon with what actually happened. What just took place? We're like, man, we're in that. We were in an accident. Okay, we're in an accident. Okay, so I get out the car and I, I look around and I see just like stuff everywhere. And so I know I got to call Rebecca. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm calling Rebecca. So now in my mind, I'm like, okay, hold it together because if I call her and if and if my voice. If I go crazy, she's going to go crazy. All right, man up. This is for your boo. All right. All right. So I start calling. Cool. Phone start ringing. Fear just overwhelms me. Because as I'm calling her, I'm looking around. I'm looking at the car. And I'm looking at my friends. I'm looking at my friends. And I'm, I'm taken over by fear. And then I hear her voice. And it's like this joy of the Lord saying, but I saved you. But I saved you. And I'm sorry that I went through an experience like this to have to remind me, man. I don't want you to go through an experience like this. To have to remind you. That he has saved us from death. He saved us from death, y'all. All of us. You don't have to have a near-death experience on this side to know that he saved you from death. Therefore, you have a reason. We have a reason to be joyous. With the least of things among us, we still have a reason to be joyous because we have our great reward. Who someday, and this is why we have hope, who's someday going to return and set all things in order. That we get to fully experience his peace in every regard. So you know what it's like to be in heaven? To be in heaven is like that experience where you feel all things work out for your good and you get joyous and you get to be joyous all the time. That's heaven. Because we're going to fully have the fully experience our God and be in his presence fully. So there's going to be no other things competing for the joy that we get to always experience in him. He puts peace among anything that would try to compete with that joy. And that's what we're longing for. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we are expecting. That's why Advent is so important. 
to remind us of that second coming. To remind us of his second coming. So family, I pray that you be thankful for those times where you get to experience his joy through an emotion and through his feeling and through feelings. But that we would be reminded of this great reward that we have that has saved us from death. Saved us from death. And for that reason, we can be joyous. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you. Oh, we thank you. For Jesus, you are our joy. And you're going to return someday, Lord. And set all things in order. Not just even us, Lord. All of creation will experience peace and be able to fully embrace the joy of who you are. And so while we get glimpses now, Lord, let us cherish them and let each one remind us of your saving grace. Lord, we pray that if there's a person here today that is, that is feeding their, their flesh, feeding their, their pleasures, feeding, feeding their desires, Lord, in ways that do not bring you joy, that we would repent of it. But if there's a person, Lord, also who just came to recognize that, that, man, there's a joy that I'm just not experiencing. If this joy that Leon talked about is real, I want that. Lord, would you draw them closer to you and let them know they're in a place where they can grow in you. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen.